Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, First Baptist Church. Amen, amen. Let's thank the Lord for this choir and music ministry. Didn't they bless us on this morning? Thank you, Brother Robert. Thank you, music ministry. Wow, great worship. Great, great, great worship. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing? It is good to be back home. Amen, 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 amen. Giving obedience to God, my Father, Jesus Christ, who is the Lord and Savior of my life, to my friend and my brother beloved, your pastor, my friend and brother, Pastor David Crosby, my brother. I thank God for the friendship that God has developed in our hearts and in our lives uh, as a result of Hurricane Katrina. Your love for me and for our congregation and open up your doors for us when we were homeless. We didn't have a place to go in this city because most of the churches uh, uh, and the uh, seminary was flooded, man, and we didn't have a place to go. And I remember calling you from Birmingham, Alabama, letting you know our dilemma. And you didn't hesitate, man. You said, Brother Fred, yes, y'all come over. And, uh, man, it developed a two-and-a-half-year relationship that is still going on today. And I want to thank God for you, my brother, and for your heart. Amen. And we were here for two and a half wonderful, wonderful years. Some of the Franklinites are here today uh, to, with me to share in this wonderful time uh, to be back. And man, we, we used up y'all carpet, we used up y'all pews, we used to drink all y'all coffee and all the donuts and things like that. But y'all never complained. At least I didn't hear about it. Amen. But... Uh, but, uh, and, and man, it was a bittersweet moment when we had to leave and go back home. But I am so honored that you're happy to come back and share uh, in this wonderful event on this uh, fifth year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. We miss y'all tremendously. When we were driving into this place, uh, just great memories uh, uh, came back uh, to my heart and to my life of the two and a half years that we were here and all the support that you guys gave us from, uh, from Brother Bob and the administration staff and, and to uh, uh, jail and the folk in the kitchen area, Brother West in the men's ministry, Dr. Kelly in the women's ministry, uh, 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 all of you have just, uh, just been a great, great uh, support for us. And thank God we still have those relationships uh, uh, between Franklin Avenue and First Baptist Church that would never, never, never see. So we do have some Franklinites here. Will y'all stand, all the folk from Franklin Avenue, will y'all stand? Thank y'all for coming, amen, and being here with us on the day. Amen. I know there's a lot of folk here that were not here when we were here, and uh, so you don't know who I'm in love with, so I, before I go on, I need you to see and meet the, the love of my life, the apple of my eye, my prime rib, my good thing, my wife Elizabeth, will you stand, baby? That's my wife! Amen. I tell people all over America, ain't no woman like the one I got. Amen, 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 amen. I thank the Lord for her so very much. Amen. Dr. Hankins and Patty, it's a joy to see uh, the two of you. Dr. Hankins, I have to agree with Brother David, was there for all the pastors here in the New Orleans area. Some way, somehow, he got in contact with all of us and just blessed us, man, encouraged us, prayed for us, uh, uh, allowed us to, uh, to go on. And I thank you. I'll never forget 
did, what you did for us, uh, David, during that time. And I just thank the Lord that you didn't know you were going to be here, man. You and Patty have been dear friends, Elizabeth and I. And thank you for what you did for the pastors in this area. Dr. Joe McKeever, man, I don't know if we would have made it without you, my brother. Amen. You were the person that uh, our, our, our uh, association needed at that time. And God used you, man, to be that calming force in our lives. And we thank God for you, man, and thank God for what God has did in your life to just keep us from losing our minds, man. And when we're about to lose our mind, you just drew an ugly picture of us that made us laugh, man. And, uh, and that got us through, man. Glad to see you here uh, to our new director of mission, Dr. Dwayne McDaniel, and his wonderful family that I met right here at First Baptist when uh, they came from Hawaii Kai uh, uh, so many times to come and help us to rebuild our city and rebuild our home, not knowing that one day he would be home uh, with us here in New Orleans. And thank you, Dwayne, and your family for all of your prayers and your support uh, through the years to our dear friends at Franklin Avenue, particularly uh, to Mike and Courtney Flores. I don't know if you guys are here, but they were very special to me and Elizabeth at a very difficult time in our lives. Uh, they really met a great need in our lives. We will never forget that. Uh, Mike and Courtney, I don't know if you're here, but thank God for you and uh, being there for Elizabeth and I. You guys really, they're here. Where's Mike and Courtney? Thank y'all. Y'all, man, you guys don't know, and everybody don't know, but you guys know. You were there for us at a very critical time in our lives. We thank you so much for that. Wow, I didn't know I was going to do that. Amen. But I just thank God for each and every one of you. Well, let me get to my text because I need to get back to uh, Franklin Avenue uh, on today. But I want to thank David for this wonderful and exciting privilege. It's a joy to be back here. Turn your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 as we share today in the Word of God. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's good to see Andrew and your college group and your youth, man. It's good to see all of you guys uh, uh, be back here. Uh, uh, thank God for each and every one of you. Brother Guy, Brother West, so many of you. I just thank the Lord for and thank God for what God has done in our lives. Five years ago, I was sitting in the main library of Hoover, Alabama, in the library there, and there in a cubicle, there in a booth, tears coming down my eyes and just asking God, what's up, God, with this? Looking at the TV and seeing our city underwater, the church where I pastored, the only church I've ever pastored in my life underwater, the schools I went to underwater, people that I knew and loved, boarded on boats, helped on helicopters, uh, uh, cussing and fussing in the convention center, uh, doomed in the dorm, wrestlers on rooftops, and I'm there in the Hoover, Alabama library and just going through my pity party with God. Dr. Hankins, I couldn't figure this out. Dr. McKeever, I could not understand how something like this could happen in America. I was angry with God. I was angry with our president. I was angry with our governor. I was angry with our mayor. Didn't want to preach, didn't want to teach, didn't want to pray. I just could not figure this thing out, how something like this could happen, not in a third world country, but in America. People dying, don't have any food, don't have any waters, not knowing where our next meal was going to come from. And, and there, when I'm just arguing back and forth with God, God led me to this passage of Scripture that I want to share with you today as we celebrate and as we share and remember Hurricane Katrina five years later. I could not understand what was going on, what all of this meant. And right here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 6, God gave me my answer. You'll find these words. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply 
and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and led you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that, you might, that, that he might make you know that men shall not live by bread alone, but men live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not, did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Our Father and our God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God, I ask you to do every time I stand in the pulpit. That is, God, let me decrease as you increase. Father, let them not see Fred, but God, let them see Christ. So then, God, that you may be glorified, the saints of God may be edified, Satan may be horrified, and lost sinners will come to repentance. Therefore, God, stand in my body, think with my mind, speak with my voice. I'll be so very careful to give your name all the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor. For all that you've done, what you're doing right now, what you promise, you will continue to do in Jesus' Jesus' name we pray, and for us say, let the people of God respond by saying, Amen. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. I want to preach this morning on this fifth year of hurricane, anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, from one word, the subject of the sermon this morning is simply, why? Why? It's a word, Dr. Hank, as we've used since the time when we are able to speak. A mic is a word that we've used from the time that we've been able to ever do thank for ourselves. It's a word, Andrew, that we've used when trying to understand, David, certain things about this thing called life. Dr. McKeever, it's a word that we use when we're trying to figure out this thing called life. Uh, it's a small yet a big word. It's a simple yet a profound word. Uh, Terry, it's a question that oftentimes we really don't have the answer to. And that word, Robert, that word, my brothers and my sisters, that word, ladies and gentlemen, it's all but three letters, W-H-Y. Why? Dr. Kelly, a small yet a big word, a simple yet a profound word. Uh, if you look up that word in the, def in the dictionary, you'll find various meanings, uh, Dwayne, of that word why. Uh, for what reason? For what cause? Uh, uh, why? For what purpose. Uh, children use this word when they try to question their parents. Uh, mom, why can't I touch that? Uh, 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 mom, why can't I have chocolate cake uh, for my breakfast? Uh, why can't I have that? Because everybody else have that. Why can't I play with that? Uh, everybody else playing with things like that. Uh, uh, mama, why can't I do this? Children use this word to question their parents. Uh, teenagers use this word uh, to aggravate their parents. Uh, why can't I stay out to two o'clock in the morning? Everybody else does. Uh, why can't I have company when you're not at home uh, or everybody else does? Uh, why do I have to be off the phone uh, at 11 o'clock on school night? Nobody, uh, no, none of my other friends are off the phone at that time. Uh, why can't I lock the door to my room? 
Some of y'all got that up. Uh, why can't I get a tattoo? It's my body. Why can't I get a nose ring? It's my nose. Why can't I get a lip ring? Uh, it's my lip. I know you've heard that before. Uh, why can't I watch certain movies? Uh, why, mama? Why, daddy? Do you treat me like a child? Children use this word to question their parents. Teenagers use this word to aggravate their parents. Husbands use this word uh, to uh, David to understand their wives. Uh, baby, why do you need another pair of black shoes. Notice I'm not looking that way at all. Amen. John, John I'm, I'm looking over this way, brother, to you. Uh, 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 but baby, why do you have to be in the bathroom so long? Uh, baby, why does it take you so long to be dressed? Baby, why are you always so moody? Baby, why do I have to sleep on the sofa tonight? If you wouldn't ask that last question, you probably would not be on the sofa. Uh, 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 children use this why question to aggravate their parents. Uh, teenagers use this why question to understand their parents. Husbands use this why question to understand their wives. Wives use this why question to figure out their husbands. Why do you keep leaving the toilet seat up? Uh, why do you keep coming to bed uh, so late at night? Uh, why do you always act off in, in front of company? Why do you keep, why you and my mama just can't get along? Why do you keep leaving your clothes all over the house? I'm not your maid. I'm not your mama. Why do you keep that? Why can't you clean up after yourself? Uh, this is some of the, this is one for the younger couples. Why can't I answer your cell phone? Why, why, why? Many of us ask this question, David, about life. Why do certain people kill? Uh, why do certain people steal? Why do certain people commit hate crimes? Uh, why do terrorists kill uh, innocent people? Why do adults abuse little kids? Uh, why is there racism in society? Why is there classism in society? Why can't Democrats uh, and Republicans get along? Uh, why can't people who read the same Bible, who serve the same God, who are filled with the same spirit don't always agree uh, on spiritual things. Uh, and finally, many believers ask this why question, the why word to question God. God, why do the righteous suffer? God, why do bad things happen to good people? God, why, why can't certain godly couples who want to have children can't have children? God, why is there so much tragedy in the world? God, why can't you reveal to mankind a, a cure for cancer, a cure for AIDS, a, a cure for muscle? a cure for Alzheimer and other dreadful diseases. Before last year, many of us who were born and raised in the city of New Orleans asked God, God, why can't the saints win the Super Bowl? But last year we did it. Who that, who that, who that talking about beating them saints? Amen. God, why do we have hurricanes? God, why did the levees break? God, why the BP Earl spill? And the list of why questions go on and on and on and on and on. However, my brothers and my sisters, there is a question that I've asked God First Baptist since August the 29th of 2005. Brother Bob sitting there in Birmingham, Alabama, on our daughter's uh, uh, sofa uh, 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 there, as she had just finished from Sanford University, and sitting there on her sofa in Birmingham, Alabama, I've I, I questioned God and watching the news, uh, watching our city underwater, watching our church underwater, watching the things I love so 
dearly in this city underwater. I've asked God the why question since August the 29th of 2005. I've asked it every day. I've asked it every week. I've asked Mike and Courtney every month. And the question has simply been, God, why? God, why would you allow the destruction of an entire city? God, why would you allow the flooding of an entire city? God, why would you allow the devastation of an entire city? God, why would you allow the displacement of an entire city? Now, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, please don't get me wrong. I was born in the city of New Orleans, Charity Hospital. I was raised in the city of New Orleans, uh, in the Lord Night Ward. All my schooling is here in the city of New Orleans. Uh, I'm blessed to pastor one of the greatest, greatest churches in America here in the city of New Orleans at the First Baptist Church, of course. Uh, uh, God, God and, and therefore, God, God, I more than anybody understand that there were some things, God, in the city of New Orleans that did not please you. God, I understand that there were some things in our city that grieve you. God, I understand that there were some lifestyles in our city that you were not pleased with. But my question to God, David, my question to God, Patty, my question to God, Dr. Joe, has been to God, God, if you had a problem with those things, why not just take out those things? Why destroy a whole city? God, if you had a problem with Bourbon Street, why not just take out Bourbon Street? God, if you had a problem with the strip clubs on Bourbon Street, why not take out the strip clubs on Bourbon Street? God, if you had a problem with the prostitution that's happening in the French Quarter, why not take out the houses of prostitution? God, if you had a problem with the Buddha worshipers in the French Quarter, why not take out the Buddha worshipers? God, if you had a problem with the satanic churches that are still in existence in the French Quarter, why not take out the satanic churches? But my problem with God, my problem with God since August the 29th that I couldn't understand that my church flooded. Uh, a city of New Orleans was flooded. Everything that up dear and near was flooded. But Bourbon Street was high and dry. Matter of fact, Dr. McKeever, the first time in the history of Bourbon Street that it was dry. Hey, Amen. Some of y'all, some of y'all get that about 12 o'clock today. Some of y'all just got it. Some of y'all just got it. Some of y'all just got it. God, why not take out the things that you didn't like? God, why not just take out all the murderers? Why not get rid of all the rapists, God? Why not get rid of the criminal element? God, why not take out the things you dislike? God, why not take out the thing that displeases you? God, why not take out the things that grieve you? But God, why the entire city? Why the schools, God? Why New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary? Why Xavier University, where my wife got her pharmacy degree? Why Dillard University? Why Southern University? Why Tulane University? Why Loyola University? Why UNO? Why Delgado? Why the schools, God? Uh, why the churches, God? Why Franklin Avenue, God? Uh, uh, why First Emmanuel? Why Greater St. Stephen? Uh, why Beacon Lighter? Why Life Center? Why, why Christian Unity? Why all the churches in our Baptist Association? God, why? God, why McKenzie's Fried Chicken? God, why Basquez? God, why the bakery? God, why Plantation Coffee House? God, why Commander's Palace? God, why Camellia Grill? God, why Manchu Chicken Wings? God, why, God, that you have to wipe out all of those things that we love? And brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, the question on the floor, Robert, is why? And you know what, First Baptist, you know what, my brothers and my sisters, I really believe in my heart that I'm not the only person, David, that ever asked the question why. Though, and I don't have 
have no doubt. I'm not the only person that have asked God why. I'm not the only person that asked God why since August the 29th of 2005. I know I'm not the first believer to question God. Check out your Bible. Moses questioned God. Job questioned God. And even Jesus, while hanging on the cross, questioned God when he cried that full cry from the cross. Eli, Eli, lama sabatana. Why, God? Why has thou forsaken me? Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. We lost our job. We lost our homes. We lost our cars, our trucks, our SUVs. We lost precious pictures that David talked about. Precious memories that money came by and Walmart came by and FEMA can't replace. And it may not be every day. It may not be every week. It may not be every month. But I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, at some time since Hurricane Katrina hit our city, all of us have asked the question, why? Well, my brothers and my sisters, the answer to all of our why questions, I believe, are found right here in the text in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let me give you a little background. The children of Israel are on their way to the promised land. They're on their way to a land, brother and sister Jackson, that God has prepared for them. It was a good land. It was a land of hills and valleys, a land of milk and honey. It was a land that should have taken them 40 days to get to. Instead, because of rebellion and sin, uh, it took them 40 years. Let me say that. should have only taken them 40 days, uh, but because of rebellion and sin, uh, it took them 40 years. And here they are, 40 years in the wilderness. And they begin to keep asking God why. So here they are, 40 years in the wilderness. And they begin asking God why. And not only the children of Israel, but for every believer, who's ever done question God uh, to every believer young people who's ever asked God why to every child of God uh, who've ever asked God why God why my family why my marriage why my, my, my son uh, why my daughter why my situation why my finances why my circumstances to every child of God that ever asked God the why question I believe we can get our answer right here in Deuteronomy chapter 8 my brothers and my sisters I believe that there are primarily four reasons why God allows certain things to happen in our lives Lives, uh, for a reason that God allows certain setbacks to happen in our lives. For a reason that God allows certain trials, certain trials uh, and storms to come uh, in our lives. And I believe they're found uh, right here in the text. I believe first back to the first reason that God allows certain things to happen in our lives is number one, to humble us. To humble us. Look at chapter verse 2 of chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. The Bible says, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. Go to verse 3. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you do not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might, that, that he might uh, make you know that man should not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The first reason that God gave me, with tears coming down my eyes when I asked God, God, why would you allow something happen? The first thing that he gave to me in this text, he said, Fred, to humble us to humble us. My friends, the first, for the first time in a long time, think about it. God used Hurricane Katrina to humble a whole lot of us. For the first time in a long time, God used this storm, or God used this hurricane uh, to humble us. Never in your wildest dream uh, did you ever see yourself standing in a Red Cross line for vouchers. Never in your wildest dream uh, did you ever see yourself standing in a FEMA line uh, for rental assistance. Uh, never in your wildest dream uh, did you find yourself standing in a FEMA line for housing assistance. Never in your wildest dream uh, did you ever find yourself or uh, think of you standing in line to 
receive Walmart gift cards uh, to buy a certain thing that we didn't have because most of us only had two days of clothes. Uh, and so we were standing in line to get whatever we could get uh, to find to, to make it to the next week or the next month ahead. Uh, myself, my, my wife and I were in Birmingham, Alabama, and I found myself in Sixth Avenue Baptist Church uh, in the fellowship hall of the church. I'm the pastor of the largest church in the Southern Baptist Church in the city of Orleans, one of the largest in the state and in the country. And I found myself in the fellowship hall of Sixth Avenue Baptist Church of Birmingham, Alabama, going through donated clothes and donated shirts and donated shoes to find something else to wear because all we had was two days of clothes on our back. Oh, my brothers and my sisters, God used those things to humble us. Never in your wildest dream you saw yourself going through donated clothes, trying to get shoes to put on your feet, sleeping on cots in a public shelter, sharing an apartment or a hotel with 10, 15, 20, some of y'all 25 people with one restroom. That was certainly under you, on it? Sleeping on a sofa, sleeping on an air mattress, sleeping on a futon, sleeping on the floor. You were just glad to have some place to lay your head. Oh, my brothers and my sister, you never thought it would happen to you. But my brothers and my sister, God used Hurricane Katrina to humble us. Some of us were getting too proud. Some of us were boasting too much. Some of us were getting the big head. Some of us have forgotten where God has brought us from. Don't you know that what you have, God gave you that what you know God taught you and where you're going uh, God will bring you ladies and gentlemen we cannot forget about God can't forget about God some of us were thinking that because of the neighborhood we lived in, because of the kind of cars that we drove, because of some of the houses that we live, because of the bling bling around our neck and on our arms and in our grill, young people. Uh, the, 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 some of us think that we had all that, we, we were all that, a bag of chips and some change. Uh, but my brothers and my sisters, God, Dr. Mativa used uh, Hurricane Katrina to put every last one of us on the same level. God used Hurricane Katrina to remind us that he allows the rain to fall on the just as well as the unjust. Ladies and gentlemen, we must never ever forget about where God brought us from. I don't know about y'all, but as I think about this fifth anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, I think like the songwriter, if it had not been uh, for the Lord on my side, uh, where in the world would I be? Oh, my brothers and sisters, God allows certain things to happen in our lives to humble us. But then there's a second thing in the text, not only to humble us, but secondly, Patty, God allows allows certain things in our lives to test us. He allows certain things in our lives to test us. Look at verse 2 of Deuteronomy chapter 8. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Robert, I believe God used certain things to test us. My friend, God used, I believe, things like Hurricane Katrina, Things like going through a divorce, things like sickness, things like a, a baby mama drama and baby daddy drama. God allows certain things to happen in our lives to test us, to prove us, to try us, to see whether or not we would keep his commandments. In other words, to reveal the real you, to reveal the genuine you. God sometimes allows things to happen in our lives to see 
what's in our heart. You know what I've discovered, Dr. Hankinson? You know what I've discovered, Dr. David? You know what I've discovered, Dr. Duane? You know what I've discovered, First Baptist? I've discovered that anybody can praise God when things are going well. Anybody can praise God when there's a roof over your head. Uh, anybody can praise God when there's money in your pocket. Anybody can praise God when your refrigerator is full. Uh, anybody can praise God when your job is secure. Uh, anybody can praise God when you know where your next paycheck is coming from. But all my brothers and my sons, what if you lose that job? Uh, what if you lose that house? Uh, what if you lose that secret, that comfort that you have? Uh, can you still praise God uh, when you're having a bad day? Can you still praise God uh, when you're having a tough day? Can you still praise God when the thing that you had, uh, you really are lost and you don't have those things with God? My friend, I am convinced that God allows certain things to happen in your life and my life to test us, to try us, to reveal what's really in our heart. He tells us in verse 2, God wants to know what's really in your heart. Like Job, he wants to see what's in your heart. Remember, in one day, Job lost his health, he lost his wealth, and he lost his family. And God wanted to see what was in Job's heart. God allowed everything to be taken from Job, and God allowed him to see. God wanted to see what was in Job's heart. Ladies and gentlemen, what about you? And what about me? When the car was gone, uh, did you still trust God? Uh, when the house was gone, uh, did you still trust God? Uh, when the church building was gone, uh, did you still trust God? When the wardrobe was gone, uh, did you still trust God uh, when the school was gone? Did you still trust God? Uh, every now and then, God allows us to go through some things to see what's in your heart. Can you stand the heat? Uh, can you stand the fire? Can you stand the storm? Uh, can you deal with the fact that everything that you depended on uh, is now gone? Uh, what has it done to your heart? Are you still reading your Bible? Are you still meditating on the Word of God? Uh, are you still praying? Uh, are you still fasting? Are you still leaning and depending and trusting? on God? Uh, are you still worshiping God? Oh, my brothers and my sisters, God allows some things, First Baptist, to happen in your life and my life to test us, just like he tested Moses and the children of Israel, just like he tested David, just like he tested Elijah, just like he tested Daniel in the lion's den, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. The question of the hour, my brothers and my sisters, did you pass the test that God allowed you to go through five years ago? I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I want to pass the test uh, when God gives me the test. Uh, therefore, my answer is uh, and has been uh, since that day in that library. The Lord gives uh, and the Lord take it away. Uh, blessed be the name uh, of the Lord. Uh, oh, my brothers and my sisters, I don't know about you, but I want to pass the test. You must still, ladies and gentlemen, trust God. You must still have faith to believe uh, that when you're going through a trial, that Romans 8 and 28 uh, is still true. And we know that all things uh, work together for good uh, to them that love God, them are called uh, according to his purpose. Uh, you must still have faith and believe that Psalms 30 and 5 uh, is still true. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes uh, in the morning. You must still have faith to believe that Psalms 35, 37, and 25 is still true. When David said, I have been younger, but now I'm old, but I've never seen a righteous forsaken, nor his seed uh, begging bread. Uh, you must still believe uh, that Psalms 34 and 19 uh, is still true. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord uh, delivers him uh, out of them all. Uh, you must still believe when you're going through trials uh, and tribulation in your life that Isaiah 40 and 31 First Baptist is still true. But they that wait, but they that wait, but 
they that wait, but they that wait uh, upon the Lord uh, shall uh, renew their strength. Uh, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk uh, and not faint. You must still believe in the midst of your trial and your tribulation. That Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is still true. Be anxious for nothing but in everything uh, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests uh, be made known unto God uh, and the peace of God uh, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts uh, and your minds uh, through Christ Jesus when tough times are happening in your life. You must still believe uh, that Romans 8, 38, and 39 uh, is still true. But David, I am persuaded. Dwayne, I am persuaded. Patty, I am persuaded. Joe, I am persuaded that neither death nor life no angels, no principalities, no powers, nothing's present, no height, no death, no even Hurricane Katrina shall separate me uh, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Uh, I am persuaded. You must still believe that is still true. Oh, my brothers and my sisters, like Joe, we must say like to God, God, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. But God, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you. I'm just going to wait until my changes come. Why, God, why, why, why do you allow certain things to happen in our lives? Number one, to humble us. Number two, to test us. The third reason God gave me there in Hoover, Alabama is to chase, chasten us, to chastise us. Look at verse 5 as we hurry along. You should know in your heart that as a man chasing his son, so the Lord, your God, chastises you. Every parent knows that from time to time, children will act like children. Every parent in here knows that from time to time, our children will act like children. We pout. They pout when they don't get their way. They throw temper tantrums when they don't get their way. We cry to get attention. They rebel when things don't, don't go their way. And every now and then, mom and dad has to chastise or uh, uh, chasten those kids uh, to behave. Well, in like manner, Andrew, it's the same thing with sons. John is the same thing with children of God. Uh, every now and then, when we get out of our way, get out of, our, get out of ourselves, uh, God has to chastise us. Every time we don't obey God's word, uh, he has to chastise. Every time we get out of God's will, he has to chastise. Every time that we think we know better than God. Uh, God has to chasten us. He withholds his blessings. He withholds his protection. He withholds his mercy. He withholds his promises. And like the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we may plead for the thorn to be removed. Uh, we may pray that the thorn will be removed. We may ask God, God, please uh, remove this thorn. But God said, no, I have a purpose for that thorn. God said, no, I have a purpose for that win. Uh, God said, no, I have a purpose for the trials you're going through. I have a purpose for the tribulation you're going through. God said, I have a purpose for the storms and the tears uh, that you're crying and I won't remove the thorn but this is what I will do Paul this is what I will do children of God I won't remove the thorn but I give you grace to make it through the storm in other words God's grace is sufficient for you I know it's hard brothers but his grace is sufficient I know it's difficult sisters but his grace is sufficient college students I know it's rough sometimes uh, but his grace is sufficient high school children I know mama don't understand sometimes but God
God's grace is sufficient. Church leaders, I know it's tough sometimes trying to do what God has told you to do, but his grace is sufficient. Always remember, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Yes, he chastises us because he loves us. Which leads to my fourth and my final point, and then we thank you and appreciate the opportunity, Pastor David, that you've given me to be back here at beloved First Baptist Church. Why, 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 God? Why my marriage? Why my children? Why my church? Why my money? Why my houses? Uh, uh, why my car, God? Why the situation that I found? Why, 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 why the, the test scores, God? Why, why this hurricane? Why my life? Why this storm? God, why do you allow certain things to happen in our lives that we just don't understand, that we just can't figure out? Fred, I'll allow it. And he's, he allows it, ladies and gentlemen, to humble us. He allows it to test us. He allows it to chastise us. And then number three, he allow, number four, he allows it to conform us. He allows it to conform us. Look at verse 6 of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Therefore, because I humbled you, therefore because I tested you, Therefore, because I chastised you, therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. You shall keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to keep him. He allows it, David and Patty, to conform us. My brothers and my sisters, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the real deal, First Baptist. Whatever you're dealing with, Young people, whatever you're going through, couples, whatever your struggle is, no matter how difficult, no matter how tough the situation, through it all that we go through, God's ultimate purpose, First Baptist. Franklin Avenue, God's ultimate purpose. Brothers and sisters, God's ultimate purpose is that we would be like him. Whatever, we, whatever he used to, go, to allow us to go through what we go through, his ultimate purpose, that it would mold us and it would shape us and it would make us to conform to be just like him. Elizabeth and I have two uh, kids. Our firstborn is our daughter, Kimberly, who we stayed with in Birmingham, Alabama. She's a school teacher there in Alabama. Our secondborn, our son, Chip, he called him, his name is Chip, his name is Fred Luther III. We call him Chip as in Chip off the old block. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And uh, when Chip was a little baby, my heart's desire was that one day he would grow up to be like me. My wife knew that I, I wanted a boy child. When our daughter came, I praise the Lord for our daughter. I thank God for today. But, but she knew I wanted a, a son. And my, my wife has a baby girl of eight kids. I believe she would have had eight more girls. Uh, Dr. Carroll happened to give me that son. I think she would have done it. I'm not positive, but I think. She knew I wanted a boy child. I wanted someone to carry on the Luda name. And when Chip was a little boy, my, my purpose in life, my, my purpose and my heart's desire was that one day he would grow up to be like me. My mom and dad were divorced when I was six years old, so I never had a dad grow up in the home. I, I never saw my dad and my mom sit down together at Thanksgiving meal. I, I never saw my mom and together, Mike, uh, uh, pray together. I never saw my mom and my dad together for Christmas. I never saw my mom and dad. My dad didn't teach me how to throw a basketball, I mean, how to shoot a basketball, throw a baseball, or uh, 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 run, or anything like that. I, I didn't have a 
that growing up. And I, and I told God, God, if you ever allow me to have a son, I'm, I'm going to break that divorce cycle in my family. And by God's grace, uh, 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 he's allowed it to happen in my life. And I, I, I wanted my son to, to want, I wanted my son to be like me. I wanted him to, to share and be like me. My ultimate purpose, my heart's desire was that one day my son would grow up to be like me. Therefore, I poured my life into our son. I, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, I poured my life into our son. Uh, all the things, yes, I taught him how to throw a football and shoot a basketball, not as good as John, but, but he can shoot just a little bit, uh, uh, to run track, uh, do all those things. Uh, I taught him a whole lot of things. But of all the stuff I taught him, David, the most critical thing I could ever teach my son was one day that he would have a personal relationship with the Jesus that I knew to know the God that I knew, to worship the God that I worship, to love the God that I love, to serve the God that I serve. And through the years, it's not been easy for our son. Any PK would tell you, it's not easy being a preacher's kid in the church because everybody has certain standards for preacher's kids that they don't have for anybody else. Everybody else's kids can run around and knock over everything and say, oh, that's they're just a kid, but let the preacher's kid do it and they think something wrong with it. He's just like your knucklehead kid. He's a kid, all right? So, so don't put any undue pressure on those kids. And, and it was not easy, David, for him to grow up in our church. Uh, he was two years old when I came to Franklin Avenue Baptist Church. Uh, through the years, there have been some setbacks. There have been some mishaps. There have been some mistakes. There have been some tears and chastisement. However, I stand here today as God is my witness that if you look at my son today, if you talk to my son today, if you hang around my son today, if you listen to my son preach, he's now our youth pastor at Franklin Avenue Baptist Church, if you would have no doubt in your mind that Fred Luther III is certainly a chip off the old block. Just like his dad. And that's all God desires for us. In spite of all that we've gone through, in spite of all that we're going through right now, in spite of the setbacks, in spite of the tough times, in spite of the tears, in spite of the chastisement, in spite of the hurricane, in spite of the flood, the first Baptist, God's ultimate purpose, that through it all, we will be conformed we will be molded and shaped to be just like God. So when people look at us, when people hear us talk, when people listen to our conversation, when people hang around us, when people see us, they would have no doubt in their mind that those are sons and those are daughters of the true and living God. That through all that we've been through, we're not bitter, we're not angry, we're not upset, but we can say like Robert and the praise team Sunday day, it is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. And we can rejoice and thank God that God used all that he did in our lives uh, to mold us and shape us and to make us to be uh, what God has made us to be. And brothers and your sisters, can't you tell that he's still conforming us? Don't look now, but he's still conforming us. I know it hasn't been easy. I know you've been displaced. Uh, I know some of y'all still miss some of the things you had pre-contrita, but God is conforming us to be uh, just like him. Uh, don't you remember what happened to Jesus after he endured the cross, after he despised the shame, uh, after he endured the hanging on the cross and the suffering? Don't you remember that God highly exalted him uh, and gave him a name uh, that was above every name uh, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow uh, and every tongue should confess uh, that Jesus Christ uh, is Lord. Uh, well I got to go to my seat. Uh, I've got to close out but my brothers and sisters that's what God wants to do in your life and my life. Think about it. All these years we were called refugees. Uh, we were called evacuees. Uh, we were called all kind of ease uh, by the media and by the national media but one of these days uh, God will call us to 
be his own. He'll call a servant of God, servant of God. Well done. Oh, First Baptist, I know you've been through a lot. I know it hasn't been easy. I know you've asked the question why. But First Baptist, Dr. Crosby, ladies and gentlemen of this church, I have come today to let you know that your best days, First Baptist, are not behind you, but your best days are ahead of you. Yes. Your best days are ahead of you. Forget about what you had. Forget about what you lost. Forget about what was destroyed in the flood. Uh, I believe without a doubt in my mind, uh, as I peruse this congregation today, that first Baptist, because of your faithfulness, because of your steadfastness, because you've gone the extra mile to help those who could not help themselves, uh, I believe without a doubt in my mind that your best days uh, are not behind you, but they're ahead of you. So get ready, first Baptist, for new blessings. Uh, get ready for new miracles. Get ready ready for a new learner. Get ready for a new ministry because I believe brother David that God is going to give y'all double for your trouble because you've been faithful through the storm and faithful through the rain. You're going to make it. No, not you're going to make it. You did make it. Five years later, you're still here. Five years later, you're still here. You made it through the storm and you made it through the rain. Oh, I don't know about you, my brothers and my sisters, but my testimony to God since August the 29th of 2005 and even right now is I thank God for my mountains. I thank God for my valleys. I thank God for the storms uh, that has brought me through. Uh, but if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith uh, in his word could do. But through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in God. Uh, through it all, I've learned uh, to depend uh, upon God's word. Hang in there, First Baptist. Hang in there, Franklin Avenue. It is well. It is well, it is well with our soul. God bless you. God, thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for letting me be here today.